Hello everyone and welcome back to the Talking with Apes podcast. Today we are here with episode 15 uh, of our podcast. Um, we will be discussing a topic today that is quite serious, uh, a topic involving Frontex, the ghost police of the EU. Now, what is Frontex? Um, Frontex is actually a European agency which acts like a sort of police force to control the borders and push refugees, migrants away. Um, so if a country has a large influx in uh, migration, they can call Frontex and ask for help, ask to close the borders. Um, now, Europe, of course, uh, always prizes themselves as a, a community with great dignity and um, that protects human rights. And today we want to look at how Frontex fits into that image, if they fit into that image at all, because they have been accused of using excessive force several times now. Um, yeah, uh, amongst other human rights violations. Yes, Tom. Um, what is what is a European agency, and how did Frontex uh, obtain that title? Um, it obtained that title uh, because there was a need for such a thing, as um, as the European member states uh, agreed on the Schengen area the, to remove internal borders. There was, of course. The concern of some of those countries in the middle of the uh, Schengen area uh, that the external border had thus to be protected together as well or to be managed together would be a better word because protected already comes with the idea that there is a risk or a danger coming for your border. But Frontex was started in 2005, uh, yes. so it wasn't really a direct result of... Not the immediately, yeah. no. It came later. Um, and it was uh, the coordination, it, it was supposed to smoothen the co coordination between the various member states. So how it originally worked was if there was a big influx of, uh, let's say, migrants, like we saw in 2015, um, then Frontex would uh, pull tr uh, border uh, agents from other countries, uh, let's say from Belgium and the Netherlands and France, etc. And it would send them to uh, Greece and Italy to help the Greeks and the Italians deal with uh, whatever they wanted to deal with. Um, and that was basically its job to, to be the, the middleman um, in, in that entire scenario. Um, and it's an agent. It, it was an agency like any other. It's uh, like the same way where you Im imagine a dusty office where you get norm like papers or stamps on papers. Like they're bureaucrats in the most original, basic version. And their and their base form. That's what they are. They still are at heart, basically. They just mutated into something much more um, monstrous, let's say. Like Keenan, as someone who grew up in um, Syria and who has seen people leave that country for a number of years. Like, would you say that um, Frontex is a topic that is talked about? In, in I've literally never heard about Frontex okay. until the, uh, the magazine, the German show you showed me. So it's not really something um, that you, you were afraid of crossing mm, the Mediterranean? No, I, I, I thought it was just border control general border control but it's worth noting that um, most of the uh, 
egregious uh, Frontex stories we've heard about are happening on the coast of North Africa between the Libyan and the Italian uh, borders on the sea. And that's not the bath really I was into. I, I came from Greece. And at the time, within the Greece the Turkish-Greek border situation, it was much more... I don't know, like, I, I was actually, like, I was rescued by an Italian mission, I think. That Italian mm -hmm. mission could have been coordinated by by, by Frontex, for all I know. Um, so, so they also coordinate th those kinds of missions? I think yes, so. They're that's literally their job. They're responsible for both water, land, and air uh, management of the border. Indeed. And at the time, when, when the 2015 uh, uh, migration crisis, quote-unquote, let's call it, was happening, there was this whole sentiment, uh, because we know in the European Union and because of Angela Merkel, there was pressure on Frontex, I think, to rescue people from death. Um, and that's yeah, what happened like to me. Yeah, like the image of that little boy and the shore, Exactly, you remember those days. Yes. So we, they weren't going to leave people to die in the mm. sea. Um, and that's Frontex. That's 2015 Frontex. Yeah, so the, the official role of Frontex is to make migration go smoothly. Yes. And it's not even like because in the beginning we said it's it's for protecting or like uh, closing the borders. That's not really their job. Their job is to coordinate sending uh, technical support and manpower to people mm -hmm. who need it for member states who need it when it comes to managing immigration flow. That's their official wording. I mean, yeah, but yeah, no, but to like, be but honest, if, their if main we're talking about their origin, that's their the origin. Since the position of the European Union and it's the leaders of its member states is to limit migration yes. and to have closed borders, Frontex is the agency responsible for doing the bidding, do, being the executive agency of exactly. that. Or being That's the what agency Frontex of that are, executive are kind of an executive control. agency. They're not really into making politics. It's not their job to decide if we're accepting refugees, if we're accepting migrants, or are we closing borders. Yeah, no, of course not. And that's why in 2015 we didn't really hear about Frontex, because at the time the European uh, narrative was everybody's welcome. We were of. also a lot smaller I mean, that was at the Merkel's time. Narrative. That was Merkel, but... It wasn't... Yeah, all fair, of Europe, but, far but from. She was, for all intents and purposes, the European Union for a while. They were also they were also a lot smaller. I mean, if we look at yeah. the the this episode of the podcast was inspired by ZDF magazine uh, Royale, uh, like the German yeah, John ZDF Oliver Royale. Royale. I'm sorry yeah. for my bad <laughs> German accent uh, or lack thereof. Um, but if we TLDR pointed it out uh, beautifully, the YouTube channel. Uh, like in 2014, they had a uh, hundred uh, billion uh, euros. No, a hundred million euros. Something like that. Um, in 2017, that already like more than doubled to 200. Yeah, their their budget exploded. Yeah, and now in 2020, it's 400. Uh, that is that is incredible, and especially if you compare it to let's say Europol, which has 150. I think there are projections already for by 2027 they want more than two yes, billion. Yes, they, they want to. But would maybe like maybe that's also a good thing to point out because uh, as as the narrative changes from we want to save people from drowning to more and more we want to limit migration as much as possible. Mm -hmm. They, the budget goes up, so um, in a way, it seems like keeping people out is more expensive than helping 
people, at least in that first... Yes. From a border management yes. point yes. of view, yes, it is more. Especially when your idea of closing the border um, includes using advanced weapons, military drones. Yeah, because like what, yeah, we're, what we're seeing is if you want to limit migration, you can't really do it by boat because there's rules. If, if you are yes. on international waters, you see a by boat By drowning. decree of the United Nations, exactly. you are forced, and so Frontex is too... Uh, to help to the people. Help those people. Yes. There has been cases, though, of Frontex ignoring people and sending, pushing them back. Exactly, and uh, they kind of got in trouble for that because also, they, they used a technique they, where... One incident, which I think we should really mention, where they basically looped around the boat and started to... Make and, waves, and yeah. pull up with yeah. their ship to make waves to push, push them the, back the rubber turkey. boat back. Yeah, but this is apparently a well-known yeah. technique that is yes. used regularly... And but they they this got out and it got some attention. So now they are looking into ways of uh, using like doing the enforce uh, the of limiting migration without using boats to do it. And so they're thinking of using drones, using yeah. all kinds of things, um, even using uh, the <laughs> what are they called again? The Heisluftballon. Um, I don't. I only know the Balloons. term. Not yeah. ah, zeppelins. Yeah, Deplins, there was Deplins. talks about a zeppelin and, yeah, and, well, and stuff that like that. Surprise me. Um, so yeah, so they are looking for ways of controlling the seas from the sky, so they are not bound by the rules of sea travel. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, that's of course expensive. Like, well, anything doing anything more than I mean, if you if you're managing migration in and you're like saying stamping papers or doing dealing with documents, that is one thing. If you also have to at the same time, you know, maintain a fence or maintain a patrol, and that of course always includes more more uh, resources and requires more people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so in in and of itself, and then to avoid indeed international law, they uh, gather high tech supplies, and thus the budget goes up even more. And what's the motivation for Frontex to care about this? Why why do they have this idea of we need to dodge international law so we can be as shitty as we can? Is this something that is being pushed by the by the border countries like the Balkans, by Greece? Well, we know it, Italy and Greece are, are, are not unrightfully so of the mindset we were abandoned during the migrant crisis and we have to deal with all the stuff, but it's just as much your border in the Schengen area, uh, you know, when it comes to Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, Scandinavian countries, like, it, it makes sense uh, that the Italians and the Greeks don't want to deal with everything on their own. That is seems totally fair. Um of course, what's Frontex's motivation for doing pushbacks? Well, probably they got told to do pushbacks, or at least insinuated. Um, the agency is not going to act fully of its own, and if they would, and, and it would mean. not be in line with what the Commission or the European Union wanted, then they would probably be... Yeah, like, that's, what, that's what I was thinking, the, too. The reins would have been... They would have been reined in, but instead they're given more and more resources. Indeed. So... And what but what does make sense in this situation is like um, that show we, that that was the catalyst for this episode. Um, they 
did some investigation and they found that Frontex has been leading with weapon lobbyists. I mean, they worked together with a group uh, called Frag den Staat that yes. actually did uh, the most of the investigation, just to give the right credit here. <laughs> right, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and we see that Frontex on its own is meeting with weapon manufacturers, yes. with weapon lobbyists, with Saudi princes, with some like horrible people and they were actually questioned by i don't know what governing body did actually question them but it was another governing body in the european union and they promised to deliver um logs of all of their lobbying meetings to parliament they to were parliament. they were supposed to do that to parliament exactly they did not they did not and that's what i mean by i'm not seeing here the like you would it seems like they're on the surface they are in conflict with the european parliament itself but there is something happening. No, because Europe is happy that they're not told about it because then they don't have to deal with it. Like, it's not really, I mean... In that sense, the European Parliament actually functions like a parliament should. Part of it is, of course, questioning what is happening. I mean, they're working with the majority of that the commission has. Like, yeah. the commission is a government of the EU, kind of. Um, and they are they're working within that majority. So, of course, there is... Not a complete opposition by Parliament, but parts of Parliament, like let's say the the left in 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 the European Parliament, that is their name, the left in the European Parliament. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, is uh, it questions them and their MP MEPs. Indeed, their so parliamentary. It's a parliament that is acting like a parliament with different people with different agendas within the parliament. Yes, yes. indeed, I see. And that's why there is this idea of somebody is actually trying to put Frontex under scrutiny and some other parts of Parliament are probably... Yes. Go ahead. And NGO, civil society, uh, yeah. which has been very active during the migration uh, peak uh, that we had in 2015, are also, of course, always investigating the thousands and thousands and thousands of papers that come out of the EU right. or, or that... So going back to the uh, weapons lobbying thing, um, so Frontex, by from what we see from the uh, change from 26, from a dusty office of, uh, mm -hmm. as you described them, wannabe sheriffs, to yes. uh, 2015 when they had much larger budget, but they were still um, there was a lot of spotlight on the on the immigration things going on mm -hmm. within the European unions, uh, European borders. So they were kind of still in that organizational middleman. Nobody knew them yet as well exactly. within the EU. Like fr European agencies don't get the most attention. Exactly. They just it's like, like hey Greece, hey Italy, I need some help. I need some soldiers. I need some some organizational powers. I need manpower basically. Mm -hmm. And that was their job. Today in 2021, we're talking about uh, as they describe themselves too very proudly, the fastest growing European agency. Yes. Um, we're talking about weapon deals. We're talking about air drones. We're talking about. I mean, to to go uh, to to make one more comment on the on the weapons lobbyist things. They spent ninety four thousand euros on a dinner with the weapons lobby and the, the Saudi princess, and they are. This is the remarkable thing for for a European agency. Maybe um, they are buying their own equipment now. They are hiring their own people. Before they had to rely on the member states, and they pulled together from that. Now they're skipping yeah. that middleman. They're, yeah, yeah. they're making themselves the end product and turn and and. and That's why I was so like I, I made the mistake the in the beginning, like before the podcast. I was like, why is the European Union outsourcing security to a private company? Yeah, because they're kind of 
acting like one. They're acting with their own interests, with they're their own acting agendas. Acting as the, uh, they're acting as an as an institution. They're acting as. But I mean, same. aren't they just acting in a way that's uh, efficient for what their task is to limit yeah. immigration? Sure. And is it that efficient though? It's, it seems to be also a bit um, over bloated. Like, do you need all of these weapons to push back immigrants? But that's the interesting part, uh, which, for example, the TLDR people also made. Is Frontex trying to be a border agency or is it slowly keening into or and growing into the a proto-European army because it is becoming heavily militarized. It is Yeah, the weapon deals and stuff. It's it is it seems like that's what they're going for. It seems like they're yeah. trying to become a mini army. And I'm not sure if it's really because limiting immigration on this scale with that much coast area, etc., to cover, it's never really going to work. So I think maybe it's also to scare people off. Um, Obviously, yeah, that has always been one of the main tactics: scare, discourage. But but there might be an, a, a a grain. It, it might be indeed the the case that this is a way for some politicians to that are pro-European um, military to grow set military in a way that just goes around all the usual red tape or and, and difficult negotiations that come with things. Um, if the EU has its own, if the European Commission and Parliament has its own army or heavily militarized police force, then at some point, you know, depending on how big it grows, you have a tipping point and the EU can say no. to a member state, uh, no, you listen to us or Frontex. Frontex lets everyone in. Which is Frontex is very legally gray area. That's that's their yeah um, their situation right now. Because uh, again, like let's talk, go back to a bit to their human rights violations on the coasts mm -hmm. of uh, the European borders. It's it's really horrible. And let's say you are one person who has been um, one of the things they do. Uh, this is one we didn't mention yet. On the Libyan-Italian uh, borders, what they would do is, you made it, Frontex will literally uh, try to push you back to Libya as much as possible. And they actually paid a visit to the Libyan coast. Yes. And the first people they found with weapons, they were like, here's some military boats, here's some speedboats. Here's some well, equipment. yeah, the rebels in charge in the area. Exactly. They, they bought them speedboats and, um, and machine like, guns. You handle rescues. Give us. You're well, now they, the Libyan they, Coast Guard. They, yeah, they kind of installed a semi-official yes. Libyan Coast Guard, so they wouldn't have to call the Greek or and Italian these Coast are Guard. Are literally war criminals? Yes, because if they, if they, the thing is, even if you use drones, if you see people on sea. And you don't. You're not in a boat, so you. Oops, you can't rescue them. You still have to call a coast guard. You have to like report that there's yes. people. They have. They have to do something. So and and since they don't want to call the European coast guard, because they would have to take them back to Europe. Exactly. They call this newly installed Libyan coast guard, um, and they don't pick up. And it's like, oops, that's what we could do. Yes, and it's, it's I, it has to be pointed out that's an example of good old imperialism, like going to the other side of the Mediterranean and then setting up a pseudo institution of a coast guard in it's another such a people's story. country, such yeah. a classic and, story, and being like, we recognize you as that institution 
Yes, that governing Giving body. them also weapons without yes. any regard to what that might cause in that country. And they call this like their partnership. System. Yes, I mean, they're, they're, they're not selfish, you know, they, they're working together, they're expanding. Yeah, exactly. they're international real, cooperation. Yeah. Borders are a two-point way. Obviously, people wouldn't be like uh, fleeing away. You could just send them back. That's 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 normal. Yeah. So, if you're one of those people who had your their human rights violated by Frontex, what can you do? Well, first and foremost, well, we watched a video before about uh, it's called the complaints mechanism of Frontex. You can find it on their official uh, YouTube vi uh, channel. It was made uh, in 2020, but um, yeah, it's it's very very up to date with a lot of cute little graphics of police officers sending people away for uh, illegal reasons, and then you get in the end like uh, a description of how you can form a complaint in case this happened to you, because of course Frontex can't just work on this never happening. No, but you can form a complaint. So imagine you are picked up by one of those uh, Libyan rebels because one time they did show up and they didn't just ignore the phone. Well, in that case, uh, if you're not happy about the situation, you can uh, either send a letter uh, and they, they, they offer you their address. So you can uh, write a little letter, give it to... They I don't accept know. all languages, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they, they do accept all languages. They're super fucking exclusive, super fucking inclusive. like inclusive. That's what I said. Mm, I don't know. I've heard exclusive. I'm just used to the word exclusive <laughs> nowadays. Well, they're inclusive. Uh, they're super fucking woke and they will read your letter and they will answer you. Even though you don't have an address, they will totally answer you. Yeah. Uh, you can also go to their website with your fancy little smartphone that you brought with you on the trip, obviously. Um, Imagine owning a, owning a smartphone and needing to be an immigrant. Like, <laughs> what's the these people deals? Um, yes, so you can send a complaint there. Uh, or you can even uh, use your laptop or your uh, to to gaming PC uh, that you took on the little boat to uh, register. And they will... Uh, register your complaint and they will uh, do an investigation, an internal investigation. Make sure your personal information will not be shared with third parties. Oh, yes. But you do have to provide it, it seems. Yes, yes. You have to, but if you wish it to be anonymous, you have to deny it. Fun so. fact, the Frontex agency will also be responsible from 2022 onward for the like united system of uh, travel information for the EU oh my which God. every foreign person has to apply yeah, to and all, be checked against all of the fingerprints all of the um uh, central database yeah. that's actually something i had to do when i when i crossed the borders when i first uh, came here lovely okay so okay so either you you send a letter you send a little text message or you write an email to Frontex, um, all of those three options are obviously the first thing you would think about when your human rights have been violated and you're now a sex slave working in Libya to survive. Um, but okay, so aside, you can aside also contact the highest court in Europe because uh, Frontex is a European agency. So if they do something wrong, you have to 
go all the way up and basically file a lawsuit yeah. in the European court. Exactly. So, uh, which you can do with your lawyer that obviously went with you on the boat because, you know, who yes. doesn't bring their lawyer? <laughs> and which is super easy because the EU has not signed the uh, European Convention on Human Rights, which is not by the EU, by the way. This is one of those weird Council of Europe things. But yes. So, yes, you go to the basically constitutional court of the European yes. Union and file a complaint. And I mean, most of... Easy so, peasy. obviously, obviously, this doesn't happen. And most of the people that are picked up by the Libyan Coast Guard, if we can call it that, since those are... You know, rebel groups, mafia, like it's 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 a very shady organization. Yeah. Most of them end up in human traffic, um, yeah. all kinds of you know so fucked up situations. When it, when it comes to the uh, gray legal areas, it's not only within the European Union of the future of a European military. We're also talking about even if you're a victim of them, and even if you manage to survive, and even if you manage to contact somebody with complaints. You have to go to the highest European court. Yeah, imagine imagine someone like has a makes a scratch on your car and you have to go to the Supreme Court. You violated yeah, my human rights. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Even just the just a normal homicide charge is difficult at that level. But yeah. um, I mean, this is and then even if you get there, imagine you are the person that indeed found the human rights lawyer that could drag this case before the court. Then you are faced with the following problem. The Frontex says, we are a European agency. We cannot be held accountable. Go to the member states. They are the base of power of the EU decision-making process. And the member states say, well, we don't do it. Frontex does it because Frontex is our executive agency. And you are fucked. Yeah, exactly. So basically, it's it's this uh, feedback loop of negative uh, bullshit blame. Um, Frontex is just the hand. It didn't. It just was following orders. And, and why should you care about this, even if you're not a refugee or a migrant trying to come? Because this screws with the entire checks and balances system of the division of power between the executive, the judicial, and the legislative branch. Parliament cannot check Frontex properly, and the judicial branch cannot hold it accountable. So what, what Tom is saying that if this is this is not only affecting uh, refugees and immigrants on the scary part of the borders, this is only affecting you. This is also affecting all of democracy. This is also affecting the whole way the European Union works. Mm-hmm. So this is not just, uh, oh, these refugees again, problem. <laughs> yes, although, you know, that shouldn't be your response it to shouldn't. talking about refugee problems anyway. <laughs> oh it no, should. those refugees again. I mean, you know, it's it's... The, the ugly truth is there is always refugees. There is always war. Yes. There is always people mm-hmm. trying to leave a hostile area. Uh, this didn't ha- start happening in 2015 and it didn't end up happening in 2016. Exactly. It's and you should also never assume that you will never be a refugee, unfortunately. Exactly. Because, you know, so maybe uh, if, if we're going to go a bit more abstract, just like... This is not just a technical um, problem. This is another proof that this fucking idea of isolationism, Mm -hmm. just look at the UK, look at the UK trying, begging people to come back because they need drivers, they need truck drivers. Yeah, people to pluck fruit and and things on the field and 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 you have to understand that these people aren't aren't here here to, (laughs) nobody would leave their home 
if they didn't absolutely need to leave their home. Yeah, it's it it comes it basically comes down to this very unrealistic also view that still dominates politics. Like, oh, we need to keep them out. Only yeah. they're responsible for like in the case of the UK, a big part of your like yeah. most labor intense part of the economy. Also in Belgium, no? Uh, the yeah. Turkish uh, Diaborsa, the, uh, Belgium, the France, Spain, especially those countries with significant agricultural elements still. Yes. Um, now, Frontex, to get back to Frontex, because um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also, there is a working group now, uh, the Frontex Scrutiny Working Group yes. um, installed in the European Parliament and they are also there to investigate and um, expose and like you know research what Frontex is doing, if it's right, what they're doing, etc. How do we feel about them? <laughs> um, I've I've just learned about them. Um, I imagine it's uh, another NGO within the European Union or something. Or no, it's like a part of Parliament. Part like, of Parliament. So. Like the, the, you like know the how they put a commission for everything? Yeah. Well, this is like that. But it's called a working group. Yes. I mean, at least so it's not Frontex itself trying to police itself. No, but I have some general conclusions from the first thing here. Go ahead, Tom. Well, uh, yeah, like, also, <laughs> yeah, just go ahead. Um, so they add. did a fact-finding mission first, of course. Um the uh, the working group concludes that several reliable actors such as national and international human rights bodies and organizations consistently reported about fundamental rights violations at the border in a number of member states, but that Frontex generally disregarded these reports. Uh, the working group did not find conclusive evidence on the direct performance of pushbacks and collective expulsions by Frontex in the serious incident cases that could be examined by the, uh, by the working group. Um... What are some else? It found deficiencies in Frontex's mechanism to monitor, report, and assess fundamental rights situations and developments uh, and makes concrete recommendations for improvement. Um, it is concerned about the lack of cooperation of the executive director to ensure compliance with some of the provisions of the EBCG regulation. I have no idea what that stands for. There are too many acronyms in the EU. Uh, and it takes the position that the management board should have played a much more proactive role. So it basically... The management board of Frontex. Uh, for Frontex, yes. Um, it highlights the responsibility of the member states and the commission outside their role in the management board as well. Uh, they should step up their involvement and actions to ensure that Frontex's support of border surveillance goes hand in hand with adequately preventing and combating fundamental rights violations. Strong words. Yes, well, and that's typical EU jargon for you. Um, Honestly, I, I bet most of the people who are listening to the podcast have just zoned out in the last 15 seconds. I'm sorry. To yeah, well... I'm sorry for that little summary, but it's basically, yes, they found some stuff, they published a report, and now... And the stuff they found what? is like, yes, they're doing bad shit. Yes. <laughs> now what? There is mistakes. Congratulations. <laughs> no, but I'm, like, I, I do think this is always a part of like the process. You have to... Yes, but... You have to basically prove the, uh, prove the guilt. And we know Frontex fucked up. Now what? Yeah, but it also says that there is no conclusive evidence. Well, we basically know from the reports that, for example, the the German show uh, made public 
uh, and which you can uh, look into yourself. We'll publish the link. Um, we'll put the link in the description of the podcast. Yes. Um, you know, they published a report. Now what? The, the European Commission's position is still the same. It's not like they magically... It's not like control of the of Frontex yeah. changed in any systematic way. Also, here we like at the podcast itself. Where is the point of the podcast? Where we're like, okay, it's bad. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Now what? Yeah. Um, and this is unfortunately the uh, all, all we where all what we can do as the podcast's goal is to inform people and to let you know what's happening in the world. This is what's happening. You as a European citizen, if you're from Europe, have a responsibility and if you to care about this and have a responsibility to contact whatever. However, it is like you can contact the people who make decisions for you. You should contact them. Yes. I know we're not big on this here in the European. Yes, Americans are way better at this. Yes. But do annoy your MEPs. Exactly. Your but not to be American here, but call your senator. Yes. I mean, yeah, not your senator, but yes. Yeah. Well, some, some senators, some Are they called senators? Well, you're European parliamentarians, but also, you know, call the senators and the other uh, representatives you have. Some countries have two... Do we even have their numbers? Like they're always public <laughs> normally always public. in every but in every parliamentary the system. system. It's so big and so bureaucratic. <laughs> like yeah. honestly, this is like it's cute to say, but I really think it's not that obvious for people to call no, their representatives. Not, like the, the least you can do knows. is make make a noise about this. And this is how things begin. Make a noise about this. Talk to people about it. Raise awareness about the existence of Frontex because it's... Exactly. Yes, because I, it I agree with It could be soon one, the military of Europe. Yes. Which is honestly such a scary idea because it's happening bef- like for a military to exist before any kind of checks and balances in place. It's like you're putting the executive force before the... Parliamentary, yeah, the legislative and force. And that is to me is crazy and... It's 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 dangerous. Yes. I'm like uh, right now. I'm looking at like the 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 working groups of the European Parliament, and I can't really find the Frontex committee. But it might be maybe it is already disbanded. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like that's uh, it's gonna take too long now to exactly. find. But yeah, but that's 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 what. Is uh, done to first raise awareness. First and foremost, yes, raise awareness about this. And then second, maybe consider, because, you know, uh, what it should be. Like, converse, debate, discuss. what, How how do you think it could go? Because, you know, it's not... I mean, not honestly, if they want... Also, if they want, um, like, as like me doing that now, I yes. think... If their budget went from 100 million in the height of the so-called refugee crisis uh, to now, what was it? 400. 400, And they want to up it to... At least a billion. At least a billion. Like, with that money, you can house a shit ton of people and give them clothing and give them food. Like... You can use money for other things than military <laughs> power? No, I just mean like, and then you have people that actually like will listen to you and like be compliant yeah. with what you're trying to do as someone who is trying to arrange. Uh, a f- Here's the thing. Migration is never going to stop. There is water. Yeah, exactly. And 
as the European Union prides itself on being humanitarian. The basis of democracy. Basis the of, origin. Basis of, of human the, rights. Yeah, Forget the, democracy. The source of democracy. Human, and rights. human people rights. People literally. Enlightenment and if you are literally seeing people drowning and you're not saving them, you're a psychopath and you should not be holding weapons soon. So yeah. let's not buy them weapons. Also, this this is your tax money. If you live in Europe, this is your tax money. It's a lot of money, okay? You should... Uh, there, there is a lot of things that can be done. Like, let's say now, now, you're a migrant who lives outside of Europe, European Union, and you plan to live in one European country. Mm -hmm. What can you do? If you're not from the US, if you're not from the uh, other... Within the European Union, you can apply for... For Belgium, you can, you can apply for a first-class worker or something like high-skilled worker thing. Okay, yeah. That's the, your first option, which is basically impossible. You need to be like... And the second option is you can get something called the European Blue Card, which is yes. if you earn more than 80% of the average um, uh, national salary. So if you're a rich motherfucker, you Wait, get what? to come here. Hmm. And that's it. There is no other quote-unquote, legal way to do this. What we need to do is change our mentality about people coming to live here. People are going to try to come and live here, and it's not right for us to turn them away. The European... The, what is it that we lack? Money? Land? A decent integration system. Yes. Because everything has been so focused on... And let's be real here, too. Out. Let's not just put the, put the bullshit on the Balkan countries, like because Italy and Greece were abandoned in 2015. Yeah, no, no, they were, and, they were. And the more fair thing to do is put a system that is pan-European in putting people in yes. the right place, like do an actual good. Plan. Yeah, and also I think it needs to be very clear that if, like countries, if you're a part of... EU, you can't. You don't get to say no. Say no, indeed. Like you can, you of course, Belgium doesn't take as many people as Germany because it's a fucking small country, but you do take people like and proportional to yeah, the proportional. size and budget you yeah, have. Yeah, and of course, if you don't have that much budget, you can get budget. By the way, the entire Frontex agency has a bigger budget than Moldova. <laughs> there you go. Felt like I needed to point that out as well. Yeah. We could so. double the budget of Moldova. <laughs> like exactly. The country. Exactly. So that's... If you're asking, like, where would you the money the come GDP from? Or? Yeah, the yeah, GDP. Yeah, yeah. Where would the money come from? Well, it would come from front. We don't. You don't need to buy military drones. You don't need buy, to buy guns. You don't need to go to shady Saudi princes to make weapons deals. Yeah, you just need to have a good system in place for when they come. Yeah. And honestly, like, and I, suck I, I, it up. I as can, a I can recognize. Country, I can right? recognize that it's a hard shift in mentality. If you're, if I was living in Italy or Greece and I wasn't there in 2015, I would be like, "What the hell is going on?" Mm -hmm. I, I, I can honestly see some decent people whose ideas and mentality towards immigration have been yeah. very soured. Especially, especially in Greece, uh, uh, coming at, or still recovering from the economic yeah. crisis they faced, had to suddenly house a shit ton of people, yeah, yeah. which they had no infrastructure yeah. for, no help. They yeah. are still in the, in a debt crisis themselves. Take the south of Italy, always yeah. been the the black sheep of the yes. of, of, of the country exactly. always been ignored still and the solution you know. isn't to fund an, a new European military to close the borders with weapons. The solution is to make everybody within the European Union 
take their own share and take a fair share in solving yes. this crisis, not just pin it on the border countries, and then the border countries are pushed to militarization. And in yeah. that case, we once again can mourn the loss of Angela Merkel. <laughs> oh. I mean, she's Who not at least dead. had the balls <laughs> uh, to say we're shuffling this. Well, and unfortunately, she did um, become less and less strong about that statement the longer she uh, was criticized for it. Yes, the criticism never stopped. But I actually don't care necessarily because in the moment itself, she did it. It mattered. It matters. Afterwards, yeah. she can talk people. Uh, she can she can say whatever people want to hear. But again, I want her to act in the correct way, and she did. She and did, but that's the thing. It's it's not a one time thing. Migration. No, no. Yeah, crises, we can't rely on 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 a decent politician. You need that a did something. In place that, that one functions. right thing, one right time. Yeah. You need a more consistent approach to this. You need to change and change in mentality of us versus them too. Honestly, just look but at the UK also, and try to learn from the UK. Yeah. Like, as in, they, they <laughs> did a lot of mistakes. fucked up shit and we don't want to go there, right? Yeah. Don't. Be, be, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, ask. Uh, there has been like most, most polls within the UK from all of the people who voted on Brexit are not happy with what's happening. Of course not. And I'm, I'm, I mean, you know what? Like, I am willing to be like, okay, at the time, maybe it seemed like a good idea to make Britain great again or to gain like some agents back take back control, control. was the slogan I yeah think. that was the slogan but it's it, it didn't work and that's the same it thing backfired with, yeah I and mean that's the same with the European Union trying to look at the European countries it's part of the world and the world is there yes. you can't isolate yourself from it but it also comes then in that sense to it's not in that sense it's not just the politicians and the and the EU like civil society it's the majority of the people civil society and and even activist groups have also been indoctrinated with the idea of like oh no we're not pro open borders and they yeah. constantly say it and which is and it's, 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 it's taboo to say that you're pro immigration yeah or pro open borders and of course, like, you don't have to be idiotic about it and just like throw everything open without any system no, in place. Not. But we all have experienced the joy and the usefulness and the beauty of the Schengen area, yeah. which is an abolishment of borders. I mean, I don't know. If you're listening to this podcast, then you know me. If you enjoy my voice, I came here as a refugee. <laughs> so <laughs> well, uh, Only if you enjoy his voice. Though. Only if you Otherwise, enjoy my voice. like, fuck them, where should <laughs> Let them die. I mean, but like, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, let's, wor let's work towards that. Let's work towards us a way so we can have more beautiful Keenan voices exactly. present yes, here. Exactly. Let's, let's work towards a happy, joyful place where everybody can move and has the freedom to move around as they want. And if you are part of an organization, you know, be bold, be Some brave, will take come the be stand. Like, like, well, you are so naive. No, you're the, the naive thinking that closing your borders yeah. will make you in the, in the Brexit in versus way. EU debate on border control. Who has been the naive one? Exactly. The British with their sausages. <laughs> oh, the sausages. Like, sausage it's, yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's kind of sad now to see so many British uh, company owners, etc., that voted for Brexit, thinking that it would give them so many benefits for their company. Now they're not getting the things they need like supermarkets it's are fucking sometimes basic trade principles like, uh, you need people stock, to trade like with the like funny thing is though 
It was the British that historically have always gone around the world and forced other countries to open their markets to them. <laughs> yes. They pulled up to a place, said, you will trade with us. And if the local people were like, no, we won't, then they just blockaded whatever port they were at, said nothing will get in, then let them starve. And then at the end, the people were like, okay, we will trade no. with you. We reached Brexit. <laughs> That's always going to be... It is. It, it, Brexit has been a... Uh, how long generalization, has it been now? But how long has it been? <laughs> but I mean, like Brexit, a big reason for Brexit was also them not wanting to take refugees to bring mm, it. Yeah, uh, yeah that was no, a no, they big wanted control over uh, migration. Yes, but the UK itself never actually like took a lot of refugees. No, because they made a deal with like Belgium, so we would stop their refugees as well. Like that whole EU Turkey yeah. deal, we had an internal one between like the Belgians, the Netherlands, and the French, uh, I believe, and the UK. Yeah, like Calais. That's why Calais became such a giant clusterfuck because a lot of refugees wanted to go to the UK and then France and Belgium had to stop them. Yeah, it was it actually is, a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, transmigrate. I'm actually out of the loop on that one. It. You weren't here yet. No, I wasn't properly. <laughs> it you was were still a in disaster. Syria. Okay, I'll they look into it, it. Of course, they called it the jungle of Calais because what else metaphorically would they use? But it was basically a, 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 an un... An, controlled and unplanned, you know, refugee camp that started to pop up around oh. that place because people were constantly trying to, you know, get break into UK. trucks, get in, yeah, climb there over fences, things like that. Like one people time died in trucks. People died, yeah. 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 A lot of people died. But that also happened on the, like, not just the UK, even from the borders that oh. you would try to cross the Balkans from Greece uh, using trucks. A lot of people would die that way. Um, lots of uh, black market mafia shit. Lots of smugglers mm -hmm. making money. Lots of um, tra human trafficking. Lots of uh, kidney selling. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Okay. Um, so I think this this was our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it to some extent as much as you can enjoy talking about human trafficking and uh, next time right, you're on the toilet. Tell the pe person standing uh, next to you or sitting next to you, do you know about Frontex? <laughs> okay, you do that, Tom. The rest of us will do it at the table as normal civilized people do. Boring. <laughs> Just pass a note under the, the toilet stool. Actually, yeah, exactly. No, you don't have that in your... Thank God. Yeah, no. no it's it not like work. the Americans. <laughs> what? You know the American toilet stools? Like the, the stalls? Like... You have a lot of space. Where it basically comes up to your knees? Yeah. Like the gap? Ooh, there is the no privacy. No. Interesting. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So enough talk <laughs> about toilets. Um, so we we hope we see you next week. Um, and yeah, talk about this. Uh, explore the topic yourself. Uh, look at the links that we will post in the description. Um, they're very interesting. And the German video has subtitles. Yes. Exactly. You English can watch subtitles. The German video. Um, it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> Um, yes, so see you next week and like, share, subscribe subscribe and don't be afraid to give us some feedback if there's anything we need to change give us feedback